0: Uh, it's you we want and need, and our prayer is in your name. Amen. Okay, uh, let's see. Philippians chapter 2 this morning. We are uh, easing our way through Philippians, and this morning uh, this is a—it's really one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible, certainly in the New testament Uh I was really encouraged to see this week that one of the books I've been reading about Philippians is written by this guy, Gordon, Gordon Fee. He's a New Testament scholar, but he loves the Lord, and he's got a very vibrant walk with Christ. He was really almost scoffing at the ability of people like me and people smarter than me to burrow so deeply into the words of the Bible that they kind of miss the point. We, we've all heard about don't miss the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest or however that goes. And uh, you, you would not believe how much has been written on these verses 5 through 11 of Philippians chapter 2 for good cause. Again, it is uh, one of the mountaintops in the New Testament, particularly about Jesus Christ. But, but, And, and here's my tension with you this morning. It isn't just about probing each and every word and what they mean. It's about getting the point and not missing the point. And this is a wonderful passage because it, it reminds us of a lot of things, probably the most important of which is that doctrine, what we are taught about God and about the world, is really important. And it's supposed to affect the way we talk to each other and think about each other and act toward each other. We're supposed to be influenced by the teaching of the Bible, which is to say the reality of God. We're to be influenced by the reality of God in our own lives. And this passage is a wonderful example of that. And so, I don't want to fall in the hole of just saying lots of comments about what these words mean. There are some very important, significant words that are very difficult to understand. That guy, Gordon Fee, said some of these verses are among the most, the most difficult to interpret in the New Testament. But you don't care about that. You're just trying to live your life. And you just want a little encouragement along the way. And so hopefully that's what the Lord will give you from this passage. Uh, So that's one of the main lessons here is, let me state the point again, doctrine is really practical. What you know and understand about the Bible really does matter for your life. And, uh, you know, you don't have to talk to too many people that are stuck, that are stalled, that are deeply dissatisfied with some issue in their lives, to understand that what they need is truth given to them in love so that they can be rebuked or corrected or instructed in such a way as to move into the center of God's truth as it's been revealed to us in Christ. So just making a mental note here to say it's important for you to read your Bible and to think about it and to ask God to help you understand it. That's kind of one of the big assumptions that this text uh, has. Now, uh, two different titles for this lesson this morning from Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11. The one title you have on your sheet, The Way Up is Down. I don't know if that's a great title, but I I, I really don't think it's a great title because it implies, it's a comment about what this text does. If we were to diagram this text, we would start in eternity with deity, okay, way up here. And then we we would go down like this to humanity, to servanthood, to death. And then at, at the nadir, at the bottom, then we would go back up. And we would say exaltation, name that is above every name, every knee, everywhere bowing to the one who is Lord. So, so that V is a great diagram of this text. Jesus Christ was God from eternity. He took on human flesh. He became a servant. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He died, okay? Therefore, God exalted him and and put him in the preeminent position in all of the universe. So, so, but I'm not implying that in order to get there, Jesus, you know, so I don't know. Maybe it's a good title. I don't know. But uh, I, I guess to say for us, when we find ourselves being poured out, when we find ourselves dying, when we find ourselves burdened with losses and crosses, there's deep encouragement from this text that our losses do not mean that all is lost. That's, what, that's one of the lessons of this text. So uh, Jesus was exalted, but he was exalted after he went down as far down as anybody could ever go. Not to mention the fact that he, was, he did so as being God. The other title I would have for this text is, uh, we want more of then, now. Uh, More of then, now. There's a future that God has planned, and every good Christian believes that to some degree, that God is sovereign over the future, that he's got a plan. It's going to go exactly as he planned it, all right? Out there somewhere. Okay, all of us one of these days are going to meet our maker. Uh, God's going to wrap up and roll up history one day. He's got a sovereign plan to do so then. Okay, what about now? Okay. Paul is looking out there then and he's saying, I want some of that attitude out there when everybody is bowing and praising the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want that attitude. I want to see more of that here and now. Okay, so more of then now. That, that's the other way you can think about this text. Okay, uh, you, you may know uh, that in July, I had the wonderful privilege of putting a very heavy pack on my back and trying to walk up the highest mountain in the state of Washington, which is Mount Rainier. And the first day, we just had to get four miles. And uh, you know I had strategically packed my pack in such a way that it, I'm 58 years old okay? There were young, strong, strapping people on this trip that could have carried packs weighed a lot more than mine. So I tried to fill it up, make it look heavier than it it really was, and they kept handing me stuff. Here, take this. Okay, fine. Take this. Take this real heavy bag of food. Okay, fine. So by the time we left, my big pack was jammed full. It was really heavy, and so all we had to do was get four miles up the hill, and uh, we got up the trail, and we got out on this large snowfield, and it was all fogged in, socked in. You couldn't see the top. You're just trudging through the misty, uh, muir snowfield. But then, toward the end of the day, three thirty, four o'clock, something like that, and I have a picture of it. I can show you. The clouds just parted, and the sky was blue and the mountain was clear, and it was, and that's what I love about being on mountains. They're so huge. That's what I love about standing at the shore of a great lake. It's so huge, and it makes me realize how tiny I am. I, It's impossible to describe to you how big, you know, some of this stuff is, and that's one thing I like about it. So anyway, the clouds part, and there's the mountain, and this, you could see the end of the snowfield, which went on further than what we could see. And then above that is the Mount Rainier, the summit crown, the brown rocks and the big blue snow. And it was beautiful. And all of a sudden, my pack didn't, at that moment anyway, feel so heavy anymore in, in light of the great grandeur and beauty of that mountain. Well, with that in mind, just look in your Bibles And uh, let's just, I'm going to read the text from the ESV, even though what you have on your sheet is not the text from the ESV, and more about that in just a moment. But I want to read to you one of the most beautiful passages in the whole New Testament, and that is what you're supposed to get. This text is talking about the glorious majesty and beauty and sacrificial generosity of the one who died for you the one that you can trust, the one that when you are submerged with all of the trouble and the trial and the losses and the crosses of life, when life seems too hard for you, when it seems that you have lost too much, you can look to this Jesus Christ who is the all-sufficient lover of your soul and His grace to you and His mercy is new every morning, and it's all-sufficient. It's that beauty that we're supposed to see. Let's read it, and may the Lord help us see it. All right, Uh, let's see. Let's start with verse 3. Because this lofty teaching of Jesus, Paul is really making a point about our relationships with each other. All right, and this is spelled out in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Or, the text marginal note says, which I prefer... "...or which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus." Okay? Uh, "...who, though he was in the form of God, did did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men." That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right, that's Philippians chapter five verses. uh, Sorry, chapter two verses five through eleven. Now, uh, if your Bible is open, is it not? So look at verse twenty-seven, chapter one, verse twenty-seven, where Paul says, "Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ." That that's what. That's what he's pressing into this congregation at Philippi. I want you guys to live according to the gospel so that the gospel is not just a message for sinners who are not saved and who haven't trusted Jesus. It is that. It's certainly that. It's good news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But we never go beyond the gospel in this life. We are always seeking. God is always drawing us deeper into this message so that this message affects the way we feel about life, so that the gospel message affects what it is that we truly love, so that the gospel affects the ways that we think about what is important. And how we interpret our losses and burdens and joys and pleasures. For, for Paul, remember the triangle I talked about last time? Christ, Paul, and the Philippians. There's this three-way bond that, that Paul is exploiting in this letter. I see some of you haven't been in here all the time. But uh, every everything that Paul said was designed... For these people to love Christ more and to connect more dots between who He is and how they ought to live. I don't know the areas in your life where you are living inconsistently with the gospel of Christ. Nor do you in me. But, but our job as individuals is to hear the Holy Spirit. Let Him Convict us and reassure us so that with humility and dependence on Christ and not on ourselves, we are living more deeply and consistently, consistently with the gospel. Now, you, you might ask, I hope you will ask this, what does that mean? Paul's going to talk about that. Uh, so, so anyway, he's talking about Jesus really as an example or an illustration of how he wants them to live. That's probably another good title for this text. The best example of all. Jesus Christ and his life is the best example of all into how we should live our lives with each other. Okay? Now, uh, one of the things I really struggle with, be- because again, I told you there's a lot of, a lot written about this text. There's a, a lot of very significant words in this text. I really struggled just to come up with a translation that I felt was helpful. And so really what I did, copying this guy Gordon Fee, is that I just put the text down and it's between the lines here on your yellow sheet. I just put the the text down here on paper and I would just like for you to see a couple of things here. Uh, First of all, in verse five, this mindset, we talked about the mindset last time, the mindset of not being selfish, not always thinking about my own issues, but genuinely thinking about yours. I don't know, God somehow you know, I I I'm interested in other people. Somebody this morning in our staff prayer prayer meeting said, people is what we do. I, I don't know if that's right or not, but certainly my job involves people. You know, you are kind of my what I do. You're what I think about. And and for whatever reason, I find you fascinating sometimes. <laughs> uh, one, one time this week, uh, I forget the situation, you know, I could think about it if I tried, but I, I said to the person... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what the situation was. Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's an online church directory now. You can put it in your phone, right? And we're trying to get everybody's picture in there. And they were saying, you know, please encourage people to get their picture taken. Send us a picture so we can have that on there. And I very helpfully, very wisely suggested, well, why don't you set up a camera out in the hallway and let, you know, take people's pictures. He said, well, we we did that the other day and somebody got their picture taken and they didn't like the picture that was taken. So they went home and submitted their own picture. So I said, yeah, people are wing nuts. Uh, So, you know, we all are. We're, we're, we're wing nuts. We're, we're all wacky. We all, we all need help. And so uh, Paul was writing here to help these people Figure out what it is to live Christianly with each other. So in verse 5, he's talking about this mindset, not of selfishness, but of thinking about somebody else every once in a while, okay? Now, guys, again, if you come to that men's thing tonight, and I hope that you all will, whatever excuses you're beginning to develop for not coming, I hope that you reject those excuses and just come, all right? That's what Paul's getting at here. Think about somebody else. Don't just think about yourself. Oh, well, I could have Oh, well, I, uh, come and just and I'm I'm wanting to sh- say and I'm not I'm going to hold it off till we get to it. But uh, this text talks about that. All right, here's the point verse 5. I want you to see this. This attitude have among yourselves and, and the little preposition there is in, e in you. Now, you remember from Dr. Young's sermon, he talked about in Greek, you can tell whether it's a singular you or a plural you, all right? Right here, he's using a plural you. This attitude, have, and in this preposition, in you, and that en means among, have it among yourselves, which also in, very same, very same little particle, in Christ Jesus, all right? So the very clear point, and that's why I don't like the ESV here. Paul is saying, the attitude that you see in Christ, that's the attitude that we need to see in you, which is to say, among you. The attitude he had is the attitude you ought to have, all right? Now, there's a point to be made there, friends, and that is, again, Jesus Christ is more than just our Savior, He's our example. God's work through the Holy Spirit, and and I hesitate, and, and people, it's not like we do this all ourselves. We have to have the grace of God. But by His grace, God is pouring out His grace, making His grace available so that He can make us more like Jesus. And that's what we need to be, is more like Jesus and less like sinful you. Okay, because natural, sinful you, you're not pliable in the hands of God. You're stubborn, you're resistant, hard-hearted, insensitive, fearful, not courageous enough. You're too worried about how you're going to come across. And God doesn't like that. And God wants to make you more like Christ, who is the ultimate man who has the characters that make you the spirit controlled woman that he wants you to be not selfish not proud not fearful not timid but free and bold to do his will and and it gets harder don't worry cheer up Uh, Okay, now, so, so that's kind of the, that's the banner over this. I want you to have the same attitude that Jesus had. Now, the rest of this is just really talking about the attitude that Jesus had. Now, there's two parts to it, and I've labeled them. Part number one, part number two. Part number one is about what Jesus did all the way to death, and it, and it wasn't a comfortable death in a hospital bed or a hospice room either, friends, it was death on a cross. So those of you who have experienced death or are staring death in the face, your Savior died on a cross with no medication, with, 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 without all the blessings of health care and love that we have. My point is, that's awful. I don't even like talking about it. And I I walk tenderly and gingerly around you who have lost people or are staring death in the face. I recognize I don't have a clue. I have the faintest clue. That's about it. But your Lord Jesus knows the depths of it. And you can talk to him about that. That, That's the point. Okay? Okay. Okay, so the first part is all about what Jesus did, and there are, you know, really kind of two two parts to this first part. And in the second part, because he was dead, is about what God did in response to what his son did, all right? Do you see that? Uh, Do do you see in verse 9, part 2, therefore also God, God's the subject of the second part of this, Christ is the subject of the first part. All right, now, looking at the first part, you see that the way this text is set out, that there are really, you know, two main ideas, Uh, and I put them in bold. Jesus, do you see it in verse 7, emptied himself, and then in verse 8, he humbled himself. And everything else is just kind of modifying those two things. Have this attitude that Jesus had. He emptied himself and he humbled himself. Now, the best phrase I like for that word empty, he emptied himself. And again, it's a word that you may have, I don't know, kenosis, kinao. It's a very famous, infamous theological term. Jesus emptied himself. Well, what did he empty himself of? Was he still God after he did it? There's all this writing about that. And I guess legitimately so. The best phrase I like for this is he poured himself out. He poured himself out. Uh, And then in verse eight, uh, he humbled himself. All right. Now, uh, he let 's look at the first one. he emptied himself well, notice first of all that he was, and here 's the language being in the form of God that word greek word you'll you'll relate to a little bit it's It's the word morphe to morph okay morphology he was in the form of God. Paul had to find a word that fully Uh, expressed appreciation for the fact that the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is eternal. Okay? When you think about God, you you, you need to think about Trinity. When you think about Trinity, two words need to be in your mind. Co-equal, co-eternal. If you fall off of that horse, you're going to fall into heresy of one kind or another. God eternally. Co-equal, co-eternal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father's God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. They're all eternal. This is what it says. This is the clearest affirmation of the deity of Jesus Christ in the entire New Testament. It's not the only place by any means, but it's one of the clearest. He was in the form of God. Now, here's a a word that's hard to... uh, interpret or translate. You remember the King James? He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You remember that phrase? He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That word robbery is harpagmas or harpagma. And what it means, I've I've put here, uh, one one aspect of the meaning is he, he grasped it. He selfishly held on to it. You can picture a little kid who doesn't want to go somewhere and they're holding on to the bedpost and the mother's like, you gotta go, it's time for school. No, I don't want to go to school. Okay, Jesus was in the form of God but he didn't hold on to that. He 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 let it go. He poured himself out. Okay, uh, so he did not here's another way to think about it. He did not take advantage of the fact that he was God. You know, the the gods of Roman culture and Greek culture, the gods, they're always taking advantage of their godliness. You know, they're having more stuff than other people because they can, because they're gods. Well, in contrast to those little petty deities of the imagination of the Greco-Roman culture, Jesus Christ, who was indeed God, did not exploit it. He didn't hold on to it at all cost. Now, this is one of the convicting things to me about this text. Because when I read this text and I hear Paul saying, your attitude, John, needs to be like Jesus who poured himself out. He took upon himself the form of a slave. He, he lived a life for other people. It's like, I don't want to do that. I want to live my life for me. I don't want to give out anything. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to... I I want it all when I want it, and I want to have it the way I want it. It exposes my selfishness. Okay, it does. And I'm probably the only one in here who is a little selfish and self-protective, And I want to be safe and pain-free, and I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of guys tonight. I'll come up with all these excuses because I want to sit home in my own little cocoon and watch football or do whatever it is I want to do. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Well, Jesus says, man, that's selfish. You need to pour yourself out. You need to go and just see what happens. Okay, so I'll be there. Uh, Not so... He did not consider equality with God something to hold on to at any cost. He did not... And do you see the language? Equality with God. Hebrews says, Jesus, the Son, is the express radiance of deity. Okay? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He's, he's God. He, but he, he, did not, he did not use that equality with God... In a way to exploit things. Okay. Uh, but he, he emptied himself. Now, how, what, what does that mean? He emptied himself. He took on the form. There's that word again. He was in the form of God. But he took on the form of a slave. He came to be the likeness of human beings. And in being found in appearance as a human being. He humbled himself. Becoming obedient unto death. Even death on the cross. Uh, so so that's, that's the first part. Jesus laying his life down. He was God. And he humbled himself. And he became obedient. To the will of the father. Who Isaiah 53 says. The father was pleased to crush him. As an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So uh, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's part one. Part two, all right, we went from glory down to death. And in part two, we go from death back to glory. God is the topic here. Therefore also God, Him has highly exalted. Now, I just want you to note that the word highly exalted sounds a lot like the word for humbling Himself. He humbled Himself, verse 8, God exalted him, who perupsoson. So, so you can hear Paul preaching this glorious, yeah. Christ humbled Himself, but God glorified Him. Okay, and and the the, the resonance of those two words is designed to get our attention. This great contrast, uh, granted him the name that is above every name. Uh, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on or in the world below. Now, uh, how do you think the heavenly creatures, when they're bowing, when their their knees are bowing to Jesus in heaven uh, and confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's probably a beautiful, glorious thing, right? When the angels in heaven... And the heavenly creatures, read the book of Revelation, are ascribing glory to the Lamb. That's a beautiful thing. Now on earth, kind of half and half, okay? Some people ascribe glory to God. Some people ascribe uh, confessing that the Lord is Jesus Christ and no other. Some people do that with a whole heart. They're all in. They love Christ. They adore Him. They want Him to be magnified, etc., Others, not so much. Others do it from impure hearts. Others, I ain't, no, I'm Lord of my life. Nobody else, you're not telling me, you're not going to cram that down. All right, it's kind of a mixed bag, okay, here on earth. And then under the earth, it ain't a mixed bag, it's a bad bag full of rebellion, okay? Uh, they're not going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, you know. So, W- 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 which one are you in, in your own acknowledgement that Jesus Christ, is, do you match more heaven or is it more like, eh, well, give me the right day maybe, but most of the time, no. Or is it just this fiendish, you're not telling me, I turn my back. So may, may God's spirit cause us now. And, and we're glad for his grace to bow our knees and acknowledge that, that he's the Lord. When your own selfish buttons get pushed. I don't want to give that. I don't want to pour myself out in that circumstance or situation. Lord you've asked too much. When, when you begin feeling like that. May you look up and recognize that. The one who was obedient to the point of death. Has been highly exalted. He, he's the Lord. And. What his spirit wants to do is to bring us in conformity with that kind of attitude. He didn't hang on to deity. He poured himself out as a servant. And because he did that, God was pleased to exalt him high above the name that is above every name. What does this tell us about God? The clearest expression of God is in his son Jesus Christ he was equal with God he was in the form of God and do you know what he did the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so when God takes or other people take you say Lord Jesus you know this life this short weak." Limited life poured out as an offering to you. It's yours. Do what you want to with it. May we, like Paul, say, for me to live is... <laughs> oh, it's easy to say, isn't it? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How could he say that? He could say that based on what he saw here about Christ. Christ He was God. He poured his life out as a servant. He came to seek the lost. He came to reach out for the rejected, the outcasts, the ones who were plagued and chained and living in darkness. Christ came for them. And then he died this atoning death on the cross. And it was gain because God exalted him to the place above every name. So when your own nature gets pricked, look, look to Christ. He, friends, and he alone is the fulfillment of this text. He's the only one, he's the only one that can help you surrender. It was the beauty of that mountain that made the weight of that pack inconsequential, at least for that moment. It's the beauty of what Christ has done for me. You can say that. For me, that enables me to trust him with my life. Let's close in prayer. Father God, may your Holy Spirit press this lovely proclamation of praise of our Lord Jesus. Press this more deeply into our minds and our hearts. That we would be able to entrust our lives and all that is in it more fully to you, Lord God. And may that day, when every knee, some willingly, some unwillingly, when every knee is bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is the one and only Lord to the glory of God the Father, on that day, Father, when we lend our feeble voices to that great cosmic chorus, help us in the difficulties of today, of now, to have a glimpse of then. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.